Welcome to the Liberty Moms podcast. Liberty Moms are part of the Loving Liberty Network. And Liberty Moms are the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their community, their families, and their children. And we appreciate all of you Liberty Moms and Liberty Dads that are out there doing your part in your communities to protect your families. Um, We're into a new year and things have not slowed down. Um, in the trajectory of where they're headed to. And that's not um, very encouraging, but Liberty moms and dads are the ones that are going to be stepping up to the plate to really be the line of defense for their children. And today I'm excited to introduce my guests. And first of all, I should introduce myself. I'm Chris Kimball hosting this week, and I'm excited to bring on Deanna Holland, who is my guest today. She's with Pro-Life Utah. And January is a very interesting month because in the past for, gosh, I'm trying to think how long, 50 years, there was a March for Life held in Washington, D.C. And I was able to make it out to Washington, D.C. last January for the final march. And there was a lot of optimism out there because they knew that this lawsuit that was going through the Supreme Court could overturn Roe v. Wade, which was the the origins of why we were doing the march for life and or why organizations were doing the march for life and here in utah deanna holland i didn't know her at all but she thought we need to do one locally not everyone can get on a plane and fly out to dc has that ability it's it's tough and uh, let's do one locally and so i met deanna Gosh, I guess it was eight or nine years ago. Is that when we first connected? So we actually started doing the march. The first one is in 2016. So we've done seven. Seven of them. Okay. And um, now that Roe v. Wade was overturned, that particular need for a march for life dissipated because it was all based on this Roe v. Wade, the idea that there was this national... um, I hate to say it's a law because it wasn't a law. It was a ruling from the Supreme Court, but that gave this implication that at a national level, states needed to honor um, abortion, the right for a woman to have an abortion, right? Right. Okay, so um, by the grace of God, because honestly, with all of the turmoil that we see in the public square, and the threats that were made on our justices who serve on the court, on the Supreme Court, on their lives, Kavanaugh especially, Amy Coney Barrett, there was a lot of pressure, but they ruled that that particular decision that was made back in 1973, January 22nd, I believe, was erroneous, that it should never have been at the federal level because these kind of issues that deal with the the social fabric and the the um, 
<clears throat> the individual are best handled at a state level or a personal family level. And so they overturned Roe v. Wade because it was a bad ruling made back in 1973. So praise God that that happened, but it didn't, um, we didn't get the outcome that we wanted here in Utah. So Deanna, explain what happened when Roe v. Wade was overturned. Right, so Roe was overturned on a Friday. Um, by Friday evening, we had a, in 2020, our legislature actually passed a trigger law. And that trigger law said that if Roe was ever overturned, that this law would go into effect. And we had been told that it might take, you know, maybe two weeks or a month, but nothing over 30 days to, to get this law into effect. And what ended up happening is that Roe fell Friday morning and our law went into effect about 6 p.m. Friday evening. Um, and so we were really excited. Um, our trigger law was a life at conception law. And so there were carve outs for life of mother, rape and incest, you know, the standard that Utah has had. Um, but the other babies, right, the elective abortions, those elective abortions would be illegal in the state of Utah. And so it went into effect Friday evening. Uh, basically, Saturday, Planned Parenthood and the ACLU of Utah came out and said, yep, we're suing. Here's a lawsuit. Monday morning, they got a temporary injunction for two weeks uh, to put a stay on the law. And two weeks later, they got a permanent one. So while their lawsuit is in play currently, our law is on pause. So Planned Parenthood has had literally no disruption in abortion providing services since Roe fell. We still have plenty of abortions happening in the state of Utah. Our law is there, but it is ineffective right now. Um, one of the things that we're looking at as um, a positive is that the AG's office for the state of Utah is the one defending the law in the lawsuit. They have gotten um, approval, right? The Utah um, uh, court, right, have said, the Supreme Court has said, we will look at whether the hold on your law is appropriate or not. Um, so that was supposed to happen maybe sometime in January. We don't have a date yet. Now they're telling us February. Um, and if they, you know, take that hold off of our law, it could go into effect. We also have really great news, um, possibly from the legislature this session. Representative Brady Brammer is running a bill that would put more accountability onto judges in order to be able to do that. Because essentially what happened is our legislature said, yes, this is a law that is constitutional and we are going to pass it. And then one judge said, yep, just kidding. I'm going to put it on hold for possibly two to three years. Um, and so that's kind of where we're at. We've got two rays of light that we might be looking at, the Utah Supreme Court and also Brady Brammer's bill. Um, and hopefully by the time we hit the one-year anniversary of Roe falling, that law will be in effect. That's that's our hope right now looking forward um, with what's coming up. Okay, so with I just want to go back and clarify. So with what the AG's office is doing, they're working to lift the hold. Yes. And what, they would asked, that, what would that be based on? Yeah, they asked the Supreme Court. So there's some guidelines um, that that the judge can use to say, I'm going to place a hold on this, but he has to follow those guidelines. And the AG's office is saying that doesn't really, those guidelines don't really 
work in this case. He shouldn't have been able to do that. And so they're asking the, the Utah Supreme Court to look at that and see if the judge erroneously placed that hold on there. Now, when I was talking to Brady Brammer last night, he says that Utah law has this funny little thing in our law that most don't. Not uh, federal law doesn't have it. The states don't have it. We have this little tiny tag on. And that's what these the judge is able to use. And his bill would take that off and make it so that it you had a higher standard for a judge to be able to do that, right? Oh. So we've got a couple things that are working um, to work with that process. Because what we basically had was an activist judge that put this hold on our law. Right. Just okay. Right. And see, um, those types of judges can cause so much damage to a community and affect the lives of million. well, in Utah, at least thousands of innocent babies just because of, and so it sounds like we, regardless of what happens, we really need that cleared up in the way the law is written. We need Brady's bill, right. Brady Brammer, yep. Representative Brammer, and then hopefully <clears throat> we need the Utah Supreme Court to be looking at this and seeing where, you know, we've got one individual who is really not um, um, following uh, standard procedure, I guess we could say, mm -hmm. um, judiciously, and is making a personal um, decision based on yeah, his it own was, bias. It was very interesting to listen to that hearing where he placed the permanent injunction because it, it was like just listening to Planned Parenthood's talking points come out of his mouth. We never talked about babies and the baby's lives that would have been affected. That was completely not even in the picture. You know, it was, I was actually kind of shocked um, at what was coming out of this judge's mouth. We know we will not win with Judge Stone in this lawsuit. So, you know, looking forward even to the lawsuit portion of it that could take two or three years, our only hope is in the Supreme Court. So we're working on it in two fronts, right? We are, the AG's office is working on the lawsuit, but for the shorter term, we have hope that these two things will help our bill go into play during the rest of the time while this lawsuit plays out. So hopefully in the next five or six months, something will change. You know, it's interesting how the in the whole discussion, which is so egregious, is the idea that the baby and talk about the baby's life is just eliminated. It's not addressed. Right. And and originally when in 1973, I mean, our the the Democrat Party at that time could agree that life was important. They they could come to the table and say, yeah, we we think life is important. So their whole thing was abortion should be rare. OK, right. Should be there, but rare. OK, yeah, and that, they that's have, not the belief anymore. <laughs> yeah. And they have gone so far to the other extreme. And it's interesting because I'm trying to find the reference here while we're discussing because this, but you know, we have in the, um, <clears throat> in the LDS culture, we have a set of scriptures called the Book of Mormon. And it's a history of the people that lived anciently on um, the North American continent <clears throat> uh, about 2,000, 2,500 years ago, but they reference secret murders. And that's kind of what I look at abortion is because they're hidden away. No one talks about it. And so they're just this secret murder that's taking place that we just don't address. There's this cognitive dissonance. Like, no, it's about 
the mother's right to her body and what's, you know, what she can do to her body. And granted, yeah, there is a right that a person has, but when another, the, you know, we all know that autonomically, and shoot, that's not the right word, but the baby has complete anonymity in the woman's body. He's, the baby has its own um, DNA. It's not replicated and it doesn't match the mother's DNA. It's totally separate. It's totally different. It's a whole different human being. And that particular individual has been lost in the discussion and therefore is a secret murder because it is murder when you take the life of someone. Yes. And and I want to bring up uh, this upcoming legislative session for just a minute. And that kind of plays into the reason of why we're having this memorial that I know you wanted to talk about. So not only are we fighting for our law um, to save babies on in the court system, we also have attacks coming this coming legislative session. Now, we have some really great legislators that are running bills that should help protect it. So we have some bills that we are definitely supporting this year, but we also have, um, he calls himself a Republican. It's Representative Ray Ward who ran on a platform that said he's pro-life, but he is running a bill that we have been told will effectively reverse our trigger law. So it would keep it the way it's running right now. You can have any abortion up to 18 weeks, right? So that's a bill that he's running. So not only do we have this lawsuit, not only has our bill never, or our law never actually had a day to be in effect, but it is already still, they're still, they're trying to undo it, right? We're coming up on legislative session. We're going to need a lot of support for the good bills and definitely people um, reaching out to the representatives in against Ray Ward's bill. And because we knew this was coming, right, on a national level, we have the FDA um, saying, well, pharmacies can now distribute abortion pills, right? They will do anything to keep the funnel of killing babies open. Um, that we knew this fight was coming, but it is in our own state. It's our own legislators. And we knew that the babies who have died since Roe fell were being forgotten. And so we are having a memorial for them on January 25th at the Capitol. Okay, so let's let's talk about that memorial. So this is what's going to replace the traditional March for Life, which was addressing abortion at a federal level. But see, now the fight has come into our own backyard. It's in our state, which is where it should have been all along, because for one, we are more connected. We have more accessibility to our state and local representation than we ever do to those individuals that are serving in D.C. They're very hard to connect with, to to contact. And so we have that ability and they have to answer to us. There's we're right in there neighborhoods we live in their communities and they serve us and so um they have to be accountable so now it's a memorial because you're going to be honored i've, I've got a number here of 1746 what does that represent yeah. so statistically we take an average of how many babies are aborted um, on the statistical reports and we say an average of 3,000 babies a year now Planned Parenthood just came out with their most recent numbers, and it's probably this this past year, it's probably more than that. But we're going off of the standard numbers. And so statistically, it's like 8.2 babies a day, um, seven days a week, you know, with they're not being aborted seven days a week, but that's that number, 8.2 babies a day. 
And so that's how we came up with that number of 17, you know, just over 1700. And so we want to honor those babies and we're doing it lunchtime at the Capitol during session and each legislator is getting an invitation. Some of them are getting personal phone calls. They're all giving printed invitations because we want them to be reminded about who is being affected when our law is not in effect and with these laws that we're asking them to pass some of them and we'll be asking them not to pass uh, some of them. So we want them to remember these babies because again, these babies are the ones that are always taken out of the picture. We forget about them. You know, people, people in Utah, you know, the, there's a stay on the law. Most people walk around and we don't even think about it. Right. But, but us at Pro-Life Utah, we think about it all the time and we want people to know these babies, they deserve, they deserved to be saved. Right. Roe fell. We had a law in place that was going to protect them and they deserved to be protected. And because of one activist judge, these babies were not protected. And so they deserve to be remembered. So it will be um, like a, a funeral. It will be a memorial like a funeral, this event. So Deanna, I am so grateful that um, Pro-Life Utah has, has decided to um, hold this event and make our legislators aware that we are concerned about these lives that are being murdered every day, 8.2. Because think about it, this whole idea of abortion was never about convenience. It was about in the extreme cases of rape, incest, and the health of the mother. And those particular types of abortions only happen very, very minuscule amounts of time. There's not eight a day, right? We don't have that many women affected by their health to to um, facilitate an, the need of an abortion. Right. So statistically, the latest um, report from the Utah Health Department, they don't tell us if it's under five. So for the year, there was less than five abortions done for maternal health. There was less than five abortions done for rape. Anything under five, they don't give us the exact number, right? Mm. So we know that they just released their 2020 report. And it's always low like that. Those numbers are always low. So the majority of abortions are happening to women who are in difficult life circumstances, right? And this is why Pro-Life Utah is out in front of abortion clinics with our mobile ultrasound van, with beautiful, sweet women who offer free ultrasounds. We offer love and support. We have monetary help. We have emotional help. We help them with any sort of community um, off, like help that there is. We help them get that. Um, we basically give them two best friends for the entirety of their pregnancy and beyond and um, help them alleviate those things that were driving them into the abortion clinic in the first place. And so this is the majority of the abortions that are happening in Utah. And what, what makes me so sad is that we are the biggest helping state, right? We have so many kind people that these women are walking in because they feel like life circumstances give them no other choice, that they don't have help, they don't have support, they don't have, um, the, a lot of it is finances sometimes, right? Um, and yet, so so what? The answer is that they have to kill their baby? No, this is Utah. We can do better. But we're not going to be able to change a culture that just sends women there until we can say, this is actually not okay. In Utah, this is not okay. And here's how we're going to help you instead. I agree. It's otherwise, it's just double speak, right? You know, right. 
you can't you can't be condoning something or allowing something but you're right as far as the uh <clears throat> the hearts of people in utah i think it's just an awareness like you said you know they they hear about the state but they don't even understand exactly what that means and you know to be honest i think most utahns don't even understand what takes place in the abortion procedure they have no idea you know the brutality the barbarism i mean it's it's horrific when you realize these babies are being torn apart by their limbs and or their brains skulls are being crushed to suck them to vacuum them out i mean it's horrific what they do to these poor babies and these babies are feeling that pain okay i mean it's it's horrible what we are allowing to happen in what we call a civilized society yes that's the secret murder going on right there Oh my goodness. So on the 25th at 1230, people need to show up on the south side of the Capitol. Is that where it is? Yeah, on the main steps. If the weather's really bad, we might be in the Hall of Governors, but our plan is to be on the main steps um, and funeral attire and uh, just come help us. We normally, of course, have the march on a Saturday. Saturdays are really great days. Nobody does anything in January on a Saturday, right? So it's really easy for people to come. But because we needed this awareness for our legislators, um, we felt like we needed to do it during the week, during their lunch break, so that they could attend. We have some that are attending and so that they could know and be and remember, because there is going to be a lot of contentious um, abortion going on, abortion arguments going on this legislative session for sure. So um, if you can at all come at 1230 on that Wednesday, the 25th, we would really, really appreciate it. The people of Utah are so kind and they do care about this. So it's just getting the word out that it's happening and that we need you there. You know, and this is a type of event. First of all, it's it's a great learning process. Like if you if you've got kids in school or whatnot during this, you know, which is going on right now. What a great opportunity for your children to be pulled out of school and educate them on the legislative process up at the state capitol. This is what I think is so um, great about this opportunity, because on, like say on a Saturday, parents are around, but nobody in the capitol is there. They can't watch how the process works. And so this is a great opportunity for you to be there and have your children exposed to this is where our bills are made and perhaps even see their own representative, depending on who ends up showing up. But it's a great learning experience. And then from the Capitol, there is a walk to a um, cemetery, right? So it's not a walk. We're going to drive down to Mount Calvary Cemetery where they have a a memorial for babies who have been aborted. And we will place the 1,800 carnations or 1,700 and whatever carnations on that memorial. Okay. So, um, all right. So that's why we need people because there's a carnation for each baby that has been murdered since um, the stay of our Utah law just this last year in 20. 22. So um, please make all your efforts to be out there. Um, We're taking a short break here. We're going to be back. We want to talk more about this and what's happened with abortion in Utah. So stay with us here on the Liberty Moms podcast.
to the Liberty Moms podcast. Chris Kimball hosting today. Thank you for listening in. And for those of you that just are tuning in, I want to introduce you to Deanna Holland from Pro-Life Utah, who has been my guest today. And we're talking about the memorial service that is being planned by Pro-Life Utah up at the Capitol to honor and to make an awareness of the babies that have died since Roe v. Wade has been overturned. But in Utah, a stay was put on our law that would have protected the lives of these almost 1,800 babies that have been lost since this uh, stay that the judge, an activist judge, put into place. So, Deanna, thank you again for being with me and making an awareness of what is going on in Utah and how people can help. And so I, I've looked here on your program, and it talks about on January 25th, which is the date of the memorial, at 1230 at the State Capitol building. But later on at 1 o'clock, there's going to be a bell ringing going on. What What is that going to look like? Yeah, so we wanted to do something to remember these babies. And um, we realized that if we did one one bell ring or one second for every baby that had been aborted that should have been saved, it would take just under 30 minutes, a little over 29 minutes, one baby for every second, it would take that long. And so what we are doing is we're inviting churches across the state to ring their bells for 30 minutes in remembrance of these babies. And in actuality, we will also be having a bell sound uh, for 30 minutes after the event. So what? let me tell you what the event is going to do. Um, at 12.30, we will have a short 30-minute program. It'll be the memorial program for these babies, uh, kind of like a funeral service. At 1 p.m., the bells will start ringing, and people will be able to take one of the carnations for a baby and drive um, down. It's just down the road to the Mount Calvary Cemetery and place that carnation on the memorial for aborted babies at that cemetery. And this will be going on while the bells are ringing. And so this is what we're doing. We know it's cold. We know it's going to be outside. We'll have some chairs there, but um, it, so we're keeping it short, but that's what it's gonna be. 12.30, the, uh, the memorial event at 1 p.m., the bells start ringing and we start taking those carnations over to uh, Mount Calvary Cemetery. So my my thinking is that people may want to carpool down to the cemetery. I mean, I don't I, I'm trying to figure out, visualize the type of parking that would be there. <clears throat> but if yeah. um, if you can, that's great. Otherwise, we will kind of be funneling people through the cemetery has graciously offered to basically um, reserve that time frame for us. So we will not be interrupting any other services or anything there so that time frame is for our event and it actually does an okay job that cemetery is set up to do an okay job we should be able to have space for a couple of hundred cars and there's also a beautiful way that we can have you drive through past that memorial and um, continue on if if that works uh, for you also you've done a lot of planning on this to make sure that this is something that's smooth smooth and seamless but what a powerful opportunity last last january when i was in dc for the for the march for life on the actual date which happened to be the following day um that saturday uh there's a group of individuals that go to the supreme court building 
and they have 3,000 flowers that they lay at the steps of the Supreme Court. They had done that every year for the last 50 years. And it's a um, an organization that's uh, with the First Amendment. Um, they have an office that's right behind the Supreme Court on, oh, I don't remember the street name, but they invited us to come to that because they needed volunteers to help put out the flowers. Oh my goodness, that was so powerful. And they had a um, a reverend, a pastor that came and spoke and we sang. But what was interesting was we also had the counter narrative going on simultaneously at the same time. And so um, <clears throat> you could really see the um, the who was behind the um, the anti. I mean, this isn't like Utah where they're they're a little bit more reserved on not putting thing, themselves out there, but there was a very satanic presence where that side was totally fine with letting everyone know that they have a satanic agenda by protecting abortion. And so I just want our listeners to be aware of that, is that when you are, when we see this opposition, it's not coming from a clean, loving place. It is coming from a lot of darkness. Okay. And we got to see it firsthand in Washington, D.C., as they um, were doing their counter protest when we showed up. Yeah. Um, so, so thank Chris, you. I want to oh, mention, too, that we have three major religions that are participating in this event. We have um, an area authority for the LDS Church who is doing our, our opening prayer. We have um, a pastor, Gregory Johnson, from our evangelical community who is going to be officiating over this um, funeral memorial. And then we have um, a Catholic priest who is doing our closing prayer. You know, we are trying to bring all of us together. Abortion is something that brings every person every religion all of us can come together um to remember these babies oh i that that's great and so when they're at the um so there's plenty of parking at mount calvary so that's not an issue they can handle that level of uh of cars coming in and um i do want to talk about um so thank you for arranging this because it's an educational event for our legislative body. And for those of you that are listening, you know, reach out to your elected officials, give them a text messaging, a text message or email them or call them. Personally invite them to this event at 1230 at the state capitol, because then they yeah. know that their constituents are paying attention and that they want them to be there. That's yes. very helpful. Start. Start your communication with your legislators right now and letting them know that these pro-life issues are very important to you, that you want our trigger law protected, that you want protections put in place, this legislation, you want them to support those protective bills, and you want them to obviously not support those ones that are trying to tear this law apart. Um, it's very important. Legislators are listening right now. They're getting ready for the session, but they're not so inundated yet that they they it's, it's actually a really great time to reach out to your legislator. And why you bring why you brought that up again, because we talked about it in the first segment, but Representative Ray Ward up in, in up in Davis County in Bountiful, he has filed a bill that basically will gut the law that was passed in 22 that protected our babies from abortion on at a convenience or abortion on demand. 
Yes, he. it's the trigger law that was passed in 2020 and went into effect when Roe fell for one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's the one that his bill will effectively undo and keep us at the same level. And right now, it's it's just standard operating procedure. They can kill as many babies as they want. Um, so our 18-week ban did go into effect when Roe fell. So we're saving babies. It used to be that they could do abortions up to 22 weeks. Now Planned Parenthood and abortion providers can only do elective abortions up to 18 weeks. So that was also a trigger, right, that went into effect and nobody has challenged that. So currently they're aborting babies up to 18 weeks. The number of babies that that saves is actually quite small because the majority of abortions done in the state of Utah are done under 18 weeks already. So that 18-week ban has probably saved a couple of babies, but um, it has definitely not changed the bottom line for Planned Parenthood, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, Planned Parenthood is still uh, full throttle killing babies every day. What I would like to, um, the point I wanted to make with Ray Ward is while you're contacting your representatives, it would be a good idea to let Ray Ward know that you oppose this particular bill, that it doesn't need to be run and that he should pull that bill. And I will, when we get done, because I don't know if we have a bill number yet for it or anything like that, but um, uh, I'll put some information in the show notes so that people will know that they can contact Ray Ward and say, you know, your bill, your abortion bill needs to be pulled and not run. We don't need yeah, it. <clears throat> Ray Ward it will claim up and down he's pro-life, but his bill is definitely a hostile bill to life. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Ray Ward because he used to be my representative. I lived in Bountiful. I was in his district. And when he first ran for office as a citizen, I was doing my background work on who was running for office and vetting my candidates. And I had heard that Ray was a Democrat before he moved to Utah. And I thought, okay, I need to follow up on that. And sure enough, I had found by going online at that time, gosh, I think this was back in 2014-ish. Um, it was before I moved out to Salt Lake, but I went online and found out that he had actually not only... <laughs> He had actually donated money. So not only was he supporting a Democrat candidate, which was Barack Obama at the time, he had donated money. I had seen the donations myself with his name um, living in Utah, and then he had campaign signs in his yard. So he actively was campaigning and giving money to support a Democrat candidate. If you're a Republican, you're not going to do that. Their platforms are black and white. Okay, there's... If you're a Republican and look at our platform, there's no way that you could ever give money to the Democrat Party, to the Democrat candidate, if you truly are a Republican. So I'm stating here right now that I do not believe for a moment that Ray Ward is a Republican. And based on the bills that he's run consecutively year in and year out, they have been bills that are very harmful to parental rights and to the health of our children. And so just a public service announcement right there. <laughs> He's not a Republican. So act accordingly when you're having to. But anyway, um, this is an important thing. We also want to go back because just recently, I just, it was just this week, the Biden administration has gone into full court press to make sure that babies can be killed 
that that is just one of their top agendas after Roe v. Wade was overturned. And so I don't know if our listeners are aware of, but they are the FDA is making it very convenient now for um, individuals to access abortion drugs, even going down to your local CVS or Walgreens pharmacy without seeing a physician. Okay. Right. Yeah. So um, the FDA at the beginning of the abortion pill time, right, when it first came out, they had more um, restrictions. They had clamped down on it harder. And as things have changed um, nationally, the FDA has con- consistently gotten uh, so they've made things more permissive, right? You can go later. Um, they make things easier. Um, and now this this week, it was just horrifying to see what they're doing. So normally, if you go to Planned Parenthood in Utah and, and you're there, say, eight weeks pregnant, right? They're going to offer you either the medical or the chemical abortion, which is the abortion pills, or a surgical. And the cost is the same for them, right? If you're, if you're doing it, but if you take that first pill, they're going to give you an ultrasound to make sure you don't have an ectopic pregnancy, give you the first pill at the clinic, then send you home to take the one that actually expels your baby. Right. And so women are doing the majority of this process at home alone, bleeding at home, and then seeing a baby that nobody told them would actually look like a baby. Um, But what Planned Parenthood does do is at least check for an ectopic pregnancy, right? So what the FDA has now done is take a doctor completely out of the picture. You can go down to a a pharmacy and get these pills and then take this. And the the interesting thing is we don't know exactly because it's so new. We don't know exactly is it going to trump some of our laws, right? Um, How easy is it going to be? Um, we don't know exactly how it's going to fit yet because it's so new. But what we do know is that, you know, you can look at it a myriad of ways, but up to a 500% uh, increase more with the abortion pill of complications than like a standard surgical abortion. So the abortion pill has horrible numbers. It is the worst um, abortion for complications, worst abortion type for complications, if that makes sense. And here we are about to make it so that any woman can walk into a, a pharmacy, get the pills and just go home. And and what? Right. What happens after that? So the whole thing about caring about women, this is not caring about women and making sure that they're OK. Right. This is leaving them entirely and completely alone. But I always say that this is not really about anything more than making sure that abortions keep happening. The pro-abortion lobby does not really care about women. They just want abortions to happen. So if this is the way they have to make abortions happen, this is the way they're going to do it. Oh, it's this is horrific, Deanna. And with that two-pill process, the first pill is designed to kill the baby, right? Yeah, it blocks progesterone, which is what nourishes the baby. But Here's what I always say. I think the majority of babies that are being aborted with the abortion pills are still alive when they take the second pill. And I'll tell you why. If you take that first pill at the abortion clinic and change your mind, um, up to three days later, your baby can still be alive, right? You haven't flushed your baby out. You just have shut that progesterone off. There's a progesterone protocol that is being done, the abortion pill reversal protocol, and you can save some of these babies. So a Planned Parenthood tells you, you take the pill in their clinic, 24 hours later, you take the second one, flush it out. 
So some of these babies are still alive when you take oh that gosh. second one. And obviously they would pass being, being cramped and flushed out, um, you know, 24 hours later, but they would still in the, I want to feel the majority of the time still be alive. It, it takes longer than 24 hours, the majority of the time to actually shut that um, nutrient supply off and end the life of that baby. Well, and I, I know that can be the case because we've had women who have taken the first pill and had regret and have yes. reached out for help. Yes. And weren't they supposed to, wasn't there um, a, a bill at one time that was supposed to educate that Planned Parenthood should, Planned Parenthood should be telling that woman that if you change your mind after pill number one, you can keep your, you can still try to keep your baby, right? But they don't yeah, do so so here's the thing. We we went undercover and found that Planned Parenthood and the abortion providers were not following the law for telling the women everything that they were supposed to do. And at that point in time, that wasn't in the law. But we changed it so that the state of Utah made a module for these women to watch because the abortion providers weren't telling them about fetal development, which was in our law. And they weren't telling them specifically how the abortion procedures were going to kill their baby. Those are the two most powerful things that a woman has to know before she makes that decision, right? Um, how, how developed is my baby and how is this procedure going to kill my baby? And yet they were not doing those. So now we have, based upon that information we were able to bring legislators, we now have this module. And in the module, it will tell a woman that she can call this hotline, right? And we have had, I think, one year, our biggest year that I, I don't know about 22, 2022 numbers, but I believe 2021, we had eight abortion pill reversal tries. Oh, wow. And there's about a 60 to 65% success rate. Um, depending on how fast you get uh, that progesterone. So progesterone is very safe during pregnancy. I used it to, to help me not miscarry, right? It's been used for four decades. And what that first pill does is block the progesterone. So they just reintroduce more progesterone and then uh, give those nutrients to the baby. So, you know, that is something that, that happens in Utah. Women do change their mind. Women do feel pressured to go in and get an abortion. You know, it, it's not this clear cut, all women are, are happy to just walk right in there and kill their baby and they don't care. No, most of the women going into there are in crisis of some sort and really could use true help. Well, Deanna, you have shed a lot of light on what is really happening. I know that you're so dedicated to protecting these babies in Utah. And so Pro-Life Utah is is this great organization. And so tell our listeners how they can get involved because we just got through saying we need to support. If we're not going to abort these babies, how do we support these moms that are in these crisis pregnancies? Right. You know, you can go to our website, prolifeutah.org, and um, you can call us. You can email us, say, I want to get involved. I'll send you over to my new volunteer coordinator and we will get you involved in whatever way. We have teams that are that women's support. We have teams that work with our mobile clinic on the sidewalk. We have teams that do social media and writing team. There's so many ways to get involved because we have got to teach the people of Utah that it is okay to be pro-life. So many people in Utah just don't understand. They think, well, I had a DNC after my miscarriage, so that means I had an abortion. No, that's not an abortion. You know, so many women are confused, and so that makes them feel like they need to be pro-choice. You don't. You don't. It's entirely 
okay to be against the killing of babies for convenience, right? Right. Um, And so an ectopic pregnancy is not an abortion. A miscarriage management is not an abortion. You know, the abortion in our law is the intentional killing of an unborn child. So please come help us. We can always use more volunteers. We've had 54 (laughs) baby saves in 2022. um, And this is uh, over 50 women that we have helped during 2022. That's a lot of moms needing a lot of support. We put on 18 baby showers. I've got seven baby showers coming up. If you follow us, come to one of our baby showers. These moms love support from the community. And uh, we just shower them with everything that they need. Wow. And I'm just going to add that financial support is necessary because as you talk about holding these baby showers, you're, it's it's a way for people to donate, but also your organization, I mean, it takes money to man the, um, the ultrasound mich- uh, mobile that you have outside of Planned Parenthood that's pink and so... You can't miss it. It's it's so great that it's out there. And it takes money to to really protect these lives. And so a monthly donation would be helpful of any amount. When you know that you've got a certain amount of funding that's coming in each and every month, that's helpful. Um, and, and of course, volunteering time. But there's much, much to be done. But let's go back and recap, because I know we've got just um, a minute or two left. But this month in January... January 25th is this memorial up at the Capitol. It's super important for you to get there and bring friends, bring your family, bring your kids in, and it's memorial. So we're, it's funeral attire. So dress in black and let's get the message out to our legislators that we want our babies protected in Utah and uh, the, the Utah law that carved out um <clears throat> that carved out the the health of the mother, the um, rape and incest, which as Deanna had mentioned earlier, it's usually less than five pregnancies a year, right? For each of those categories. Yeah. I mean, you've got moms that are, that have been raped that choose to keep their baby. Um, There's so many stories of moms who feel healed by their baby, right? That's something that that's beautiful that comes out of something that was perpetrated upon them. Um, but as far as the numbers for women that get an abortion because of a rape, it's under five on an annual basis. So you, that is minuscule when you think that on average, there's at least 3000 plus pregnancies in Utah. And we're looking at less than five that are falling in these categories, which means there could be one, there could be zero, there could be three, you know, so it's very, very minuscule numbers that need to even be considered some sort of protection. Okay. At that point. But um, this idea then is that 8.2 babies a day on average are being murdered in our state of Utah. Yeah. Every single day. So If, if you can't make it to the Capitol, at least contact your representative and ask him to him or her, whoever it is, to attend this um, this memorial service at 1230 at the Capitol. And then 30 minutes later, you'll be driving down to Mount Calvary with a flower and be part of that um, ringing the bell ringing ceremony and honoring these babies that have died this last year. Yes. So anything else in the last. 30 seconds that you want to 
add to that or please? Yeah, just please come and please talk to your legislators. This this is a very important legislative session for this law All and right. for our ability to save babies in the state of Utah. So, Thank you, Deanna, for joining us on the Liberty Moms podcast. Thank you. <laughs>